Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, June 6, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from her home studio in Connecticut is Sarah Abbott. Sarah, this that's right, right? Or are you at ESPN today? I'm at ESPN today. I am in a lovely little control room. So, Taylor, if she's working in a control room, you're working from your home studio in your new home mm-hmm. in the foothills of Connecticut. What's that about? Uh, you know, Buster, with the pandemic, it's really changed the way we work at ESPN. So we have a nice work-life balance where we can work at home a little bit. We can work in the office a little bit. I am planning on being in the office uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then specifically for this show, we have a good workflow going, and I like to do it at my house. It enables you to hear all these wonderful sounds that we play during the open. So that's kind of why if you're listening to these opens, Buster's like, oh, Sarah's in Bristol, Taylor's at home. I'm not being lazy. It's agreement we have within our team so yeah i'm at home too so don't feel bad uh yeah i have my home in new york you were saying sarah i have a roommate in a tiny apartment so i have to i have to come in so we don't cross over each other i've got a dog who makes utterly no sounds whatsoever except when she snores because she's almost 12 years old uh all right uh so last night in wrigley field a sunday night baseball game the cardinals and the cubs this game was terrific a lot of great defense in the top of the fifth inning nolan arenado came to the plate with two runners on base st louis trailing by two Swing and a line drive up the middle. That's a base hit. In to score is Edmund. Goldsmith being sent. He's going to come in to score. Nolan Arenado with a two-run single. And we're back even. It is 2-2. That was a great Boog Shambi on ESPN Radio, who's been asking me, when am I going to come back on the show? Uh, the thing that jumped out about the Cardinals over the weekend was their defense is terrific. Like on this play in the bottom of the sixth. Here's the pitch to Ortega. Swings and lines one. Base hit right field. They're going to send Wisdom. Throw to the plate. And the tag. Ow! Wisdom cut down on a throw by Donovan. Molina put the tag on Patrick Wisdom. It'll go 9-2 at the dish. Yes. So the Cubs should have had a lead in this game. It should have had a significant lead. If you look at the exit velocities that were being generated by the two teams, but the Cardinals kept on making plays, kept on keeping the game close. And then in the top of the 11th inning, they took the lead. Swing and a line drive, and that's a base hit out into center field. Gorman around third. He's coming in to score, and it's a 4-3 Cardinal lead here in the 11th. Yepes knocks in the go-ahead run. And they would go on to win 5-3. to three. The Red Sox have been rolling of late. They were in Oakland against the Athletics, and they got a big hit from their first baseman. Overshift on again, the pitch. Swing and a high drive to the deep left center field. It is way back at the track, at the wall. Gone! Opposite field, three-run homer for Franchi. And for the second Sunday in two weeks, the big blow for Cordero, a three-run homer, and it's 4-1 Red Sox. WEI 93.7 FM. The Yankees had a tremendous weekend against the Tigers. Their pitching was excellent. They were tied for all uh, in the last inning at Yankee Stadium against the Tigers, and this is what happened. And the pitch swung on. There it goes. Deep left field. That's going to win the game. Harold Castro back, and he made the catch on the warning track, tagging his judge. He scores. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. You already know that's John Sterling on WFAN. The Yankees are now 39-15, and 15, and I'm going to ask Tim Kirchin coming up whether the, the most important development over the weekend was the Yankees improving their record to a point where they're on 117 win pace, the Atlanta Braves streaking, the Angels completely collapsing, or the Phillies playing under a new manager. That'll be coming up in just a little bit. An interesting note over the weekend, the Dodgers opened this season with a $310 million payroll, and at the moment they're set to pay record $47 million tax The Associated Press uh, reported that over the weekend. Those numbers could go down for the Dodgers if 
uh, the suspension of Trevor Bauer holds through the uh, appeal that he's in the process of going through right now. I mentioned the Braves. They faced the Rockies and they finished off a sweep with help from Ronald Acuna Jr. 0-2 from Stevenson. A high fly ball, a mile deep to left, way out of the ballpark. Ronald Acuna just clobbered one to left. And it's 8-4 Atlanta here in the time of the eighth inning. Yeah, the final score would be 8-7. That sound from 680, the fan. The hits just keep on coming for the Angels. They're already without third baseman Anthony Rendon. And outfielder Taylor Ward was placed on the injured list with a hamstring strain. Now, before the Sunday night game at Wrigley Field, we were in the Cardinals clubhouse. And the players are watching the Phillies and the Angels in the eighth inning. The Angels had a 6-2 lead, bases loaded, Bryce Harper at the plate. Cardinals players were predicting what the pitch selection was going to be. Well, either way, Bryce Harper took advantage. Here's the 3-2. Swung on. Crushed. He's done it. (laughs) How about that for heroics into the second deck as Bryce Harper has tied this game. On a 3-2 pitch here in the bottom of the eighth inning, it's 6-6 on Harper's sixth career grand slam. Scott Fransky, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yeah, at the moment of contact, the Cardinals players became like fans. They were yelling, they were screaming, they were going nuts, and they were questioning why he would throw a changeup in that situation. The Phillies actually fell behind after that, 7-6, to six, but then this happened. Runners will be off. There they go, the pitch. Breaking ball, hit high and deep. Right field. Back is Ligaris. And it is gone! Bryson Stott wins it! Bryson Stott with his second career home run, and it's his first ever walk-off in the big leagues. And the Phillies have come back to win this game over the Angels. That's right. Under new manager, interim manager, Rob Thompson. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, we mentioned it a couple times last week, but there's a new 30 for 30, the greatest mixtape ever that is out for streaming now on ESPN Plus. And there is a companion 30 for 30 podcast, a streetball mixtape. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, the Hoop Collective, they did their game two NBA Finals recap show last night after the Warriors beat the Boston Celtics. Brian Windhorst, he was joined by Anscape's Mark J. Spears immediately following that victory to talk about Golden State strategy change, how Boston let Draymond win the mental battle changes in officiating after one technical foul and how the Celtics sloppy play can't be repeated in Boston. Check out the hoop collective, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. If you need to hire, you need indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call Click Granger.com or just stop by. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirchner. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight.
And Tim Kirchin covers baseball for ESPN, which means, Tim, for you, going everywhere. Because all of, I'm, I'm going through the lunchroom at Wrigley Field on Saturday, and there you are. What the heck was that all about? <laughs> well, I did the, the national radio game on Saturday with Sean Kelly from Wrigley Field. So I went in on Friday, did a little reconnaissance, did the game on Saturday, then took uh, a car to the airport, Buster. You'd be proud of me. I didn't have a printed boarding pass, and I figured out how to get the boarding pass on my phone, and I went all the way through security with the boarding pass on my phone, and I made it to the gate in uh, with like 15 minutes before the flight started to board. So... At age 65, this is called a gigantic win in my life, is I knew I didn't have time to go get my printed boarding pass, so I did it all by myself, all on my phone. I must say, that was a huge accomplishment for me. <laughs> I know. You were referenced this morning. There was a text chain among all the Sunday Night Baseball people, and Carl Rabbit said, yeah, I'm here at the airport three hours ahead of time. Yeah, look, I, I have a problem with the airport, Buster. I'm just not missing a plane because I get nervous. But I've got the the clear. I've got the cream and the clear. I've got TSA pre. I should be just flying right through. But I just always feel like something's going to go wrong. And yet everything went wrong on Saturday afternoon trying to catch the last flight to Bristol. And I made it. And I did it with everything on my phone instead of a paper ticket in my hand. So I walked away from Wrigley Field last night with two uh, distinct impressions. One, Patrick Wisdom, who wore the microphone for us last night uh, and, and worked through some technical issues. He couldn't hear a lot of what uh, the questions that were being posed to him from the booth. Uh, after the game, Tim, he uh, stopped me as he's leaving the, the dugout after the Cubs lose the game, and he thanked me for the opportunity that ESPN gave for him to wear the microphone. And, you know, I had talked to him before, but I walked away from this weekend thinking, A, he's the nicest guy that I think I've met in baseball. He was great to deal with. And the other distinct impression I walked away from this weekend was the St. Louis Cardinals are a really, really good team, and they have a chance to get even better by the end of the year. What do you think of those two? Well, we'll start with Patrick Wisdom. I couldn't agree more. He's a really smart guy. I had a nice chat with him on um, on Friday. He was signing autographs for every single person that came by pregame. It was it was really nice, and I, I just thought I'd have a little fun with him because I got. I got assigned to do the all dental team since his last name is wisdom. Of course it didn't run on Sunday night baseball. And then I had to do the all smart team, not like the smartest players, but names that have something to do with intelligence. He was on that team too. So I shared a couple of the ridiculous findings that I made on the all dental and the all smart team. And instead of him just looking at me like you are an unfathomable geek, he enjoyed it. And he was, uh, actually, I think he actually was honored that he was on the two stupidest lists ever put together, but he is a really good guy. He's a really smart guy. And once he gets the ball airborne, as David Ross told me, it stays airborne. He's got some tremendous power. And what about the Cardinals? Oh, sorry. The Cardinals are really good, Buster. They're, you know, they're an elite defensive team when everyone's together. The two corner infielders are going to win an MVP some year, and maybe Goldschmidt wins one this year. Their bullpen is much better than people think it is. That that Ryan Hensley guy is just ridiculous, the numbers he's had. And Hennessy's Cabrera, who pitched the last four innings. When's the last time you saw a reliever pitch the last four innings of a National League game? Granted, everything's changed with no DH. That was absurd. And, you know, Wainwright didn't strike anybody out and was really good again last night. I'm still I'm still not sure they have enough oomph to win a World Series in, in their lineup, but they're a very good team, and I would be really surprised if they didn't make the playoffs. And seeing that, the, you know, the Brewers still have offensive issues, I think there's a chance the Cardinals could win the division, and I wasn't sure about that, you know, say two months ago. Yeah, a month ago I was feeling really stupid about my pick of the Cardinals to win the division, but after seeing them this weekend, I'm feeling smarter in part, Tim, because I love that group of young players that they're 
uh, indoctrinating into the big leagues and getting them all settled in. Because, man, like Brendan Donovan last night, his defensive performance was just remarkable. Like, they have a lot there, and it does feel like that you have this great energy between those old guys who are on their way out and the young guys who are on the way in. Right. Um, you know, Juan Yepes, he can really hit Buster. Yep. I mean, I know he just had a one for 19, but he got a big hit last night. He runs over and talks to Albert Pujols after every at-bat just to make sure, you know, he saw the right things up there. Um, Donovan is a, a utility player that wherever you put him, he seems to do something really well. And the throw he made was tremendous. He's not an outfielder, and he made a great throw. Um, I'm very impressed with that. And they're in in between guys, in between Yadier and Pujols and the really young guys, the Tommy Edmonds of the world, now, there's another really good baseball player there. His shift from, you know, second base to shortstop, we know he's a shortstop in college, so it's not like a, a huge shift, but he's handled that beautifully. And I'm telling you, Nolan Gorman, he doesn't just have great power, Buster, and I know there's a lot of swing and miss there, but everyone who sees him says the same thing. That guy's got a good idea what he's doing at the plate. He's not just, as Buck Showalter said, some big hairy guy who can hit it a long way. He can keep those hands back against the left-hander and hit a ground ball hard up the middle. He can do that and I, I really like what I see from the Cardinals. Yeah, uh, I agree. They they were impressive. There's no doubt about it. And they got guys working their way back. Tyler O'Neill coming through his minor league rehab uh, with it probably within a week. He's going to be back on the field in the big leagues. And Jack Flaherty's making progress, and he's going to be back sometime soon. We'll see. Uh, you know how good he is when he comes back. That probably is the the big question for me about the Cardinals. How good is their starting pitching matched up against great teams in the postseason? So we'll, uh, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on them. All right. I've got four developments in recent days that I want you to, to rank in order of postseason relevance, okay? Number one, the Yankees continue to win. They're 39 and 15. Number two, the world champion Atlanta Braves have had their first real winning streak having swept the Rockies. The Angels continue to lose every day. It's remarkable how this team has utterly collapsed. And number four, the Phillies haven't lost since they fired their manager, Joe Girardi, replacing him with interim Rob Thompson. Which one of those four, and we're going to cover all these, which one of those four is most important in t- for you in terms of postseason relevance? Um. Are you going to yell at me when I do this the wrong way? Of course way? I'm going to. I'm okay. going to start right now. All right, well, the number one thing for me is the Yankees winning. I think the Yankees pitching is maybe not as good as it's been lately, but it's really good, Buster. I I told you, I sat down with Aaron Boone in spring training. I ran through his starting rotation. I got to the fifth starter, and I said – uh, Nestor Cortez, he's the fifth guy, right? And Booty looked at me like, fifth guy? He's going to make the all-star team. This was in March. He and, and Nestor's been like the best pitcher in the American League so far. It's been unbelievable. So I really like where they're pitching. Buster, they went... They went three games and allowed a total of six hits in three games. Granted, against the Tigers, who are not a good offensive team. Point is, Severino's back. Tyone's really good. Montgomery pitches pretty well almost every time out. Cole's as good a pitcher as there is in the league. And Cortez might be the Cy Young winner so far after two months. After two months, So, I really like their pitching. So, I'm going to put the Yankees winning as the number one story that has postseason relevance. And they're on a pace, 39-15, the third of the way through the season, to win 117 games. That's how well they're playing. And, Tim, what I, I like from the Yankees' perspective uh, is that, yeah, they're not a perfect team, even though they have this great uh, one-loss record. And the issues that they have potentially, you know, if they decide to move on pa- uh, beyond uh, Joey Gallo and decide to flip him back out into the marketplace and replace him because maybe he's not a great fit for New York, or Aaron Hicks. Uh, you know, or maybe they decide they want to have an option to upgrade their offensive catcher. The great thing from the Yankees' perspective is those are all really fixable problems. Like, if you decide you're the Yankees, look, this is a great team, but we want to try to upgrade with Gallo, you can call the Kansas City Royals about Andrew, Andrew Benintendi. You know, to, and, and that, you know, moving forward, uh, to me, is a really important factor with this team. Do you agree? 
Oh, I, I totally agree. They're, the problems are fixable, and what we their infield defense buster is so much better. I don't care what anyone says. Whoever yes. you put behind the plate is an upgrade over anything they had last or Gary Sanchez last year. Rizzo every day at first. Uh, Glaber at second is where he belongs, of course. Kyder Falefa is a very good defensive shortstop, and Josh Donaldson at third when he's right, he's good there too. And I, I've even I've seen it buster a hundred times in, in all the years I've covered. When a pitcher has faith, if I put it in the grass here, something good's going to happen. They throw strikes, and good things happen. That's what's happened to the Yankees pitching staff this year. They're really good, and they're supremely confident that at least in the infield, the ball's going to get caught behind him. All right. Braves, Angels, Phillies. Where do we go next? All right. I'm going Braves next, Buster. You know, we can't forget that on August 6th last year, they were under 500. And then they took off and won the World Series. They they just have a way of finding that gear when they need it. And again, no Freddie Freeman that's going to hurt, but Matt Olson starts to swing it again. Acuna Jr. at a homer after going 17 games without one. Uh I think they're pretty darn good. I, I'm not saying they're going to they're not going to beat the Mets in that division, but they can make the playoffs. So I'm going to say the Braves are the number two uh, team on this list to have postseason um, expectations. I completely agree with you. I want to disagree with that. I want to yell at you, Tim. <laughs> but you know what? I agree with you. I, I don't think they're going to catch the Mets in the NL East, but I I think that. Uh, they absolutely are going to have a chance to repeat as champions. You know, uh, I picked them to go back to the World Series before the year started. You could see them putting it together. And the most important piece is Ronald Acuna Jr. And when you can hit a home run and take 30 seconds going around the bases, that tells you he's feeling pretty good about himself. All right, Angels or Phillies? I'm going to – I'm going to – take the Angels, even though I don't like either one of those teams now going to the playoffs. I'm worried for the Angels' sake, Buster. They lost 11 games in a row. The ERA is slightly over 7 in that time. The bullpen ERA is slightly over Eight. The offense was leading the league in runs scored a couple of weeks ago. And then Mike Trout hit an 0 for 26. And Anthony Rendon got hurt again. He's going to be out at least three more weeks. Taylor Ward got hurt. Otani hasn't been quite the same hitter as last year. The only way that team's going to win is they're going to have to outpitch you. And the way they pitched the first month and a half was great. But Noah Syndergaard has struggled. Even Patrick Sandoval has struggled a little bit here lately. So I'm, I don't have the Angels as a playoff team at the moment because I'm not sure the problems that they have can be fixed easily. Yeah, and they need Mike Trout to turn around. Uh, by the way, next Sunday, we've got the Mets and the Angels on Sunday Night Baseball. Mike Trout is scheduled to wear the microphone for us, so that'll be fun. I think it'll be more fun, though, Tim, if he gets a hit between now and Sunday. Would you agree with me? <laughs> but, Buster, is this seriously not the most beautiful part of this game, that after Willie Mays, this might be the best and Hank Aaron, this might be the best player I've ever seen. And he's in an 0 for 26. And I watched him closely yesterday, just on TV. He's taken strike one. He's behind in the count all the time. Give me another sport where the best player that most people have ever seen goes a week and a half without getting a hit. This can't happen in the other sports. No great quarterback completes 30% of his passes. LeBron has a bad game. He scores 16 and 7 and 6. Mike Trout's 0 for 26. It's He's got to get this straightened out, and he will. He's way too good to be in a slump like this. And lastly, the Philadelphia Phillies, who have lost, uh, not lost a game under their new manager, <laughs> Thompson, right. since they fired Joe Girardi, uh, a decision which happened right after we got done taping the other day. Here was Joe Girardi, who, I, hey, credit to him. He kept a radio appearance that he had that was scheduled on MLB Network Radio. He kept that, and he was asked about why he was fired. I think there's a, a number of things, reasons we didn't win. I think – we gave too many extra outs. I think at times our bullpen struggled. And I think some guys got off to some slow starts offensively. Um, and, and that happens, right? But I think you can overcome sometimes one thing, maybe even two, but sometimes when it's more than that, I think it's somewhat difficult. We underperformed, and that falls on me, so this is what happened. Here's Dave Dombrowski, the Phillies president, who talked about this decision. I just think a different voice was 
is needed. I think the topper is a different voice and, and viewed a, uh, in a different way with the players. I think he will just have a different relationship with them and with the coaching staff than what Joe did. And so I think that that difference will, is what I'm looking for at this point. Um, and I think it will work. I, think I have great confidence in Rob that he'll be able to do that. Rob Thompson, of course, worked for years with Joe Girardi with the Yankees, worked with him now with the uh, Phillies. He was asked about the differences between himself and Joe Girardi. Well, I think everybody's a little bit different, and they manage the game a little bit differently. And uh, the manager's got the final say. Um, the bench coach, hitting coach, pitching coach, they um, they try to provide information, and and but eventually the manager's got the final say. And and I'm a little bit different than Joe. I'm not going to go into the differences, but uh, I like to think that I'm prepared. And I'm a good communicator with these guys. These guys are good. The plan is to make sure that all these guys know where they're supposed to be at any given time, whether it's our bullpen, um, the lineup, whatever it is. Uh, I just want to make sure that the guys are prepared. Tim, could this make a difference? Uh, well, it already has. I just don't think it's going to make enough of a difference when you have a, a poor defensive team and you have a bullpen that's not very good. Joe Girardi's right. You have those two problems. It's really, really hard to win. Having said that, yesterday was what we used to, what I used to call as a beat guy. That was a circle game yesterday, Buster. They had a grand slam to tie it in the eighth and a walk off in the ninth. I don't believe the, the Phillies have ever done that quite like that in any game in their history. That's how important that was. And something like that can really build momentum because they were in trouble four times in that game and came back to win. But again, the Mets are really good. The Braves are coming. I, I don't think this be, is going to be enough for the Phillies, but sometimes the change of voice is like Dombrowski said, is what is really important. Just remember when Joe Morgan took over the Red Sox many years ago, Jack McKeon took over the Marlins. It, the team just play, has a different look and a different feel. So the, the Phillies are going to play way better than they have to this point. At this point, I just don't think they're going to be good enough to make the playoffs. Yeah, there's part of me that absolutely feels like that the idea that changing the manager might help is kind of laughable given the construction of the team. I mean, I think you you and I, Tim, talk – and look, Nick Castellanos is a great major leaguer, and so is Kyle Schwarber. Uh, but when they sign those two guys, you're thinking, boy, that 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 defense is going to be challenged. And that was before Bryce Harper hurt his elbow and is re- relegated to DH. They already had issues at third base. They had some issues at first base. They had some issues at second base. Their shortstop wasn't necessarily the best in the league. And I just don't know, you know, whether it's Tony Larusa or John McGraw or Connie Mack. I don't know if anybody's going to win with that defense. And on the other hand, you know, I have heard stories through the years about how tense Joe Girardi is and players feel like he kind of wears people down. Uh, I think he's a great guy. I think he's a good, he obviously he was a terrific major league player. I think he's a great baseball guy. But you know what? Rob is definitely more relaxed. Right, and that's exactly what the Phillies needed. And, yes, Joe, it'll be the first to tell you he's wound a little bit tight. Go look at his career record as a manager. It's pretty darned impressive. Yep. And I'm not blaming him for this, but I'm also not blaming the Phillies, who haven't been to the playoffs in 100 years, seemingly, for saying, all right, we're in deep trouble now. Maybe a managerial change will shake things up. And I, for four or three games, it certainly has. All right, before we go, I want to ask you about what happened with the Tampa Bay Rays over the weekend. Uh, Some of the Rays players refused to wear the Gay Pride logo on their uniforms, uh, saying their religious beliefs wouldn't allow it, but also saying they accept everyone. Uh, The players, pitchers Jason Adam, Jalen Beeks, Brooks Raley, Jeffrey Springs, Ryan Thompson, uh, Adams uh, basically spoke for uh, the other players, and he said it's a hard decision because ultimately we all said what we want is them to know that all are welcome and loved here. Now, Tim, that statement in itself, when you say, I'm not going to wear the logo, but I want to let, let everyone know that you're welcome. That's kind of ridiculous. Would you agree with me? Yeah. uh, Jason Adam was, was very well-spoken in his comments. I, I was indeed impressed with his use of the language. I'm just not sure that, 
what he said actually works. This is a very complicated subject, and you really can't have it both ways. Even though I was impressed the way he went about it, I'm just not sure the words fit with the actions taken. Uh, I was checking around, and what I got back was that the Rays made the wearing of the logo optional. And I would say going forward that for any team that would be in this position, don't make it optional. Just say, this is your uniform today. And that's by a contractual agreement with the Major League Baseball players, the players who need to wear the uniform. Making it optional, I feel like it was a mistake, Tim. Does that make sense? Yes, I would have made it mandatory because this is what we're doing today. And you're going to have to put your, you know, your personal feelings aside for nine innings and and do what I believe is the right thing to do. Look at Kevin Kiermeyer's uh, comments from that yesterday's game. He, of course, wore the logo. Um, he, he said it better than anybody. And I think they should. They should have made it mandatory, and they should have all followed the guy who's been there the longest, Kevin Kiermeyer. Yeah, uh, and I love what Jack Flaherty said on Twitter last night. He sent out, in response to that story, absolute joke. I mean, give me a break. Wear the logo. All right, Tim, great to talk with you. All right, Buster, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. I'm going to go get a paper ticket now. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Over the weekend, Boog Shambi caught up with Cubs manager David Ross. Give a listen. Thanks very much. Here with the manager of the Chicago Cubs, David Ross. We get ready for Sunday Night Baseball. Let's go overall. Tell me about your team. you got some young guys, especially Christopher Morell at the top of the order. How do you feel about your group right now? Yeah, Chris has uh, been doing a really nice job at the top for us, a spark. He's got great energy. He's command the strikes home really well, plays all over the diamond. Um, good young player, man. I mean, he is he has really put himself on the map uh, really fast for us. Big moments, big at-bats, handled it really good. The guys are playing hard. Uh, we've been playing some good baseball lately, and, um, you know, we got a, got a nice task here, Sunday night baseball against the Cardinals, really good offensive club. But uh, our guys have played hard, and I, got, I, I like our group. Justin Steele starts for you tonight, talented left-hander. It seems like for the most part when it's gone bad, it's been in a single inning. Yeah, I mean, he, he gets that one inning that gets away from him. Uh, the pitch count gets up. There's some non-competitive ones in there. He's working a bit back down in the zone, um, really get the four-seam fastball to work with the slider down, down and into righties, get some chase underneath, and then use that four up. Uh, later in the count but um, you know still some growth there Um, he has some good ones had some bad ones we're looking for him to be a little bit more consistent but he's putting in a lot of hard work and getting that way 
you got a scouting report on their starting pitcher on the other side. You faced him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Wayno, well, he can. Uh, he's done it for a long time. and Knows what he's doing. Uh, he's gonna. He's gonna pound your weakness. He he knows how to throw strikes. Be ready to hit. He'll give you something to hit. But um, you know, he knows how to pitch. Him and Yachty have been back there, won a lot of games together, know how to compete. Um, that's a, a veteran uh, battery that we're going up against today, and uh, we better we better be ready to hit. That's for sure. Quick follow up. Uh, Twice you faced him, and it's gone to three and two with the bases loaded. And what happened? Yeah, both times I'm, I, you know, I'm the eight hole hitter with the pitcher hitting behind me, and he throws me a three two breaking ball right down the middle, and I swallowed it for strike three both times. Um, yeah, I mean the guy can do anything at any time. Uh, he's proven it to me. He proves it every time that he goes out and takes the bump. Uh, he's a veteran that's been in every moment possible, every situation. He's not going to get rattled. He knows how to hold runners. His game's really clean. Knows how to command, and he can throw any pitch at any time. Uh, I'm, I'm, I definitely was not sitting breaking ball on those at bats, and uh, he threw that big, big Uncle Charlie in there uh, and and punched me out twice. So, uh, you know, he's got the best of me. That's for sure. Nice to see you. Thanks. Uh, yeah, anytime, Boo. Good to see you, buddy. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter and producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. How are you, Buster? Uh, I'm doing great. Your name came up on our drive to Wrigley Field yesterday. We were all Eduardo Perez and Carl Ravitch, myself. We are all talking about the different spots where we were doing reports during the 2016 postseason. As oh the Cubs gosh. are going in that run. And I brought up and I'm like, yeah. And then there's Sarah who was there like 28 hours a day in terms of working uh, for SportsCenter, working for our show for Baseball Tonight, pregame, postgame. I I, I mean, you were working, if I remember correctly, like 22 hours a day. I think I probably was. There was not much sleep to come by. But you know what? That was my first chance to work at the World Series at ESPN. It was amazing. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I can remember going with uh, Eduardo we went live on Facebook at like five in the morning while we're doing while he's getting ready to do sports on our heads. We went out to the Bertman seat and we were just showing off Wrigley Field. And then I was probably still there, you know, 12, 15 hours later as the game was ending. So again, wouldn't trade it for anything, but a better sleep schedule these days. If I remember correctly, you were taking kind of stealing naps in the seats. And one of the hits that I did, I think, for Sports Center was along the first baseline. And I and I think I looked over at you one time, and you were napping in the in the uh, in the bleachers. Is that is that right? That probably sounds right. Honestly, I mean that stuff was so early. You know me. You and I are different with uh, how early we get going baseball-wise, everything. And uh, we're in Chicago, so it was an hour earlier than the East Coast. So anything that was getting ready to go at 7 a.m. was 6 a.m. And that was when, I mean, SportsCenter came on the air, what, 7 a.m. back then? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that that was a lot of fun. I remember you had an absolute blast uh, in that World Series. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 32. So Andrew McCutcheon on Thursday night snapped an 0 for 32 with a walk-off single for the Brewers. And he's Andrew McCutcheon, so he had a grand old time celebrating on the field. You know he was aware of it and everything. But he snapped it, the team wins the game. And I called the Elias Sports Bureau at like 1.30 in the morning. And I say, hey, has anyone ever done this before? And you know it's good from the Elias Sports Bureau. When they look into it, you get an email an hour and a half later, and they say this has to run overnight. The code is so complicated, it has to run overnight. Next morning, I get an email that tells me Andrew McCutcheon is the second player since 1900 to snap a streak of at least 32 consecutive hitless at-bats with a walk-off hit. He joined Wally Moses in September of 1939, who was also over 32. So a little peek behind the curtain, and I mean, great movement moment for Kutch, and what a fun stat. Number two. Number two is six. So again, you know, we're wrapping up kind of the end of last week, because for me, Thursday, Friday had some outstanding baseball moments. 
that we just absolutely have to revisit. So, of course, on Thursday night, Jameson Tyone, perfect game through seven, ends up getting broken up. But what an outstanding moment for him, achievement. And just he's been so good for that Yankee pitching staff. Then on Friday, Garrett Cole, perfect through six. So, again, I had to go to Elias on this one. I was curious, oh, when's the last time a team had a perfect game bid through six innings in back-to-back games? You know, there's always sometimes some teams, somebody did this. They are the first team in at least the expansion era, which goes back to 1961, to have a perfect game bid through six innings in back-to-back games. That absolutely astounded me. You think of the incredible one-twos that there have been in baseball in that span. They're the first team to do that. Wow. Number one. Number one is 5.6. So those were positive. We're going to dip a little bit away from my normal positivity here. Want to talk a little bit about Noah Syndergaard. Obviously, the Angels have been in a really bad stretch and certainly not to pile on. But looking at what went wrong with him and his last start, which was back on May 31st, 5.6% whiff rate against him. One miss on 18 swings. That was by far the lowest in any game of his career. The next lowest in any start was around 13%, just to give you an idea of the distance we're talking about. And that's what we've seen with him. I mean, we knew there would be less below. He was going to have to rely a lot more on ground balls, all of that. But what I really see with him is that his changeup and his slider have been less reliable. Of course, the slider has also lost about six miles an hour, goes along with the Vila drop on the fastball. And overall, he's just not able to have those other pitches to rely <laughs> on beyond that fastball. So not ideal for him, but I think it's a learning moment. And I hope that the Angels sort of pitching staff, coaching, and everyone can kind of work with him to figure out how he can be a new version of a good pitcher because he's entirely different from what he used to be. So I'm going to inoculate you uh, from the negativity gene because peek behind the curtain, I asked you to generate a note on Noah Syndergaard because there's a chance we're going to have him on Sunday Night Baseball next week pitching against the Mets, which would be fascinating, uh, that's for sure. So. So you can blame me, Sarah. You, you you don't have to be nice. You can say, yeah, Buster asked me to do this. <laughs> a quick I question for you. You, you. you watch teams all the time. Uh, I, I told Tim, we just talked a little while ago, uh, about how after watching the Cardinals over the weekend, I'm like, that is a team that's going to grow during the course of the year. I love their young players. I think that you know, it's a, it's a nice combo they have. Um, I am curious about – whether or not they can get high-end, more high-end pitching performances, how good Jack Flaherty is when he comes back. But when I look at that team, like that team in October could be really dangerous. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we talked about the broadcast talk so much last night about the defense. And I really think that defense is what helps to steady this team. I think that that's what kept them in it when they kind of teetered in August last year, before they went on the 17-game winning streak, that underlying fact that they have that great defense, and to your point about the young players, it's not just the guys who've been there. Brendan Donovan, with the two outfield assists last night, only four guys have done that this year, and he's only the second Cardinal to do it in the last two seasons. And it just seems to be part of the DNA. I mean, you really look at teams that, consistently bring up players who are ready and at a certain level. You look at Nolan Gorman already crushing the ball. It really feels like they have the potential to be dangerous. I agree about the pitching, especially the starting pitching. You just have to wonder. But, I mean, if you can have Adam Wainwright go out there, he didn't have his best stuff last night. He still goes seven innings, two runs, gives you a chance to win. I mean, there are not that many teams that have a guy like that they can rely on in that way. And the other thing I'll say about them is that, you know, I think that the way that Ollie Marmel is managing the pitching staff is really getting into that sort of Craig Council way of it doesn't have to be the close right here. 
there aren't necessarily those overtly defined roles. I mean, Genesis Cabrera went four innings last night. He never gone that deep in a relief outing. He made two starts in his career like three or four years ago. And the fact that there didn't even seem to be a hesitation, to me, teams that are able to make decisions like that are able to go far. Yeah, what he told us was before the game is that, you know, he was wondering after that doubleheader on Saturday, you know, which pitchers would be available, how much he would need out of Wainwright on Sunday night. Wainwright texted him, wait, yeah, I could go 130 pitches. I'm just hoping to be more efficient than that, but I could go as many as that. And I bet you he probably told Cabrera, like, look, you're the guy after Wainwright, and we're going to have to finish with you two guys because we want to save the bullpen. I, I think you're right. Uh, you know, in terms of Ollie and, and how he's managing early on. It's uh, it's fun to watch. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Here's Boog Shabby talking with Cardinals manager Oliver Marmol. Thanks very much. Sunday Night Baseball coming up, and we visit with the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, Oliver Marmol. Um, your team is off to a really good start. You just got a chance to watch Paul Goldschmidt and that unbelievable hitting streak. Can you describe for me what it's been like to watch Goldie over the past month or so? Uh, just consistency. It's unbelievable. The level of preparation that goes into his day is uh, unmatched. Uh, shows up, just knows how to take care of his body, and then um, just preparing for every single arm that is uh, available that day. Um, the starter, the bullpen, he has a notebook. I mean, he just has a really good routine that he sticks to regardless of how it's going. And uh, we're seeing a guy that had a April he wasn't very happy with, and then a May that was absolutely unstoppable, and he's the same guy regardless of what's going on. What about for you? What's it been like managing your first year in the majors? It's been good. I've enjoyed it. Um, I really have. It's a it's a good clubhouse, which makes it easy. Uh, you have a good mixture of uh, some veteran guys and uh, a young group, and the veterans have been in- incredibly intentional about passing on the tradition of winning and what it really looks like and the work that goes into it and the preparation that goes into it. So it makes my job a lot easier. Yeah, you have those three veterans in Molino, Wainwright, and Pujols impacting the clubhouse. What's it like to watch Wainwright and Molina working together. I mean, look, you're competing tonight, but there's got to be a part of you that just observes and takes note of some of the interactions between the two of them. That, that's correct. And, and it's fun to watch them every five days. It really is. Those two work together better than anybody. Um, the last outing w- was actually kind of special to watch because they're sitting there and having a conversation. Uh, Wainwright's on the mound, Yachty's behind the plate, and they're just talking about the hitter that's standing there at the moment. And, uh, they execute exactly what they, the conversation took place. And it's just fun to watch the interaction and then the execution on both of their ends. And for you, in terms of the clubhouse and managing people, you got a chance in the minor leagues to make connection with people, but also at the major leagues, you've been making connections. So what's the sort of, I guess, the the intention for you in terms of building a culture? Um, bringing value at the end of the day is you want to walk into a room and be able to add something to it and bring value. And and these guys respect that if you're prepared and you have your thoughts gathered and you're bringing values to their career, they'll listen. And if you don't, they won't. Um, so as a staff, one of the things we want to make sure we're doing is that we're prepared before they get here. And once they get here, we're adding value to their day. And uh, we've done that well up to this point. Good stuff. Good luck tonight. Thanks for the time. I appreciate you. Thank you. Bleacher tweets. Already, Buster Bleacher tweets for a Monday. Debbie Gammons Brown writes in, Hey, Taylor, here's your answer to weirdest sports injury ever. And it is the uh, Max Scherzer tweet, which we did not talk about. He got bit on his throwing hand by his dog. Uh, and he cleared every there was, I guess, some mystery and drama around. He cleared it up on Twitter. He's OK. But uh, that goes back to our conversation we were having on Friday during Bleacher tweets. Man, I think like players getting bit by dogs. That's not like a first-time thing. I've seen that happen. In fact, you remember the pitcher El Duque for the Yankees, Mm -hmm. Orlando Hernandez? Yeah. Yeah, his debut came after David Cohn, our broadcast uh, partner on Sunday Night Baseball, was bitten on the hand. And so the Yankees used that opportunity to call up El Duque, and he was absolutely dominant. And if I remember correctly, it was a Jack Russell Terrier named Veronica uh, (laughs) who who bit David Cohn to create that opportunity for El Duque. Oh, that's hilarious. Shout out to Veronica. Uh, Mitchell at Tigers of Detroit is up next. Mitchell writes in, do the Angels have enough to turn it around or will their pitching end up keeping them out of the playoffs once again? Yeah, I I stopped trying to predict what the Angels are going to do. I mean, I can't. (laughs) 
Who would have imagined that team with that many great players could be this bad the way they have been during this losing streak? Mm-hmm. A.A. Ron at Aaron plays MLB writes. And so how about those Red Sox are trading Xander and everyone else columns and sound bites. Sounds like a little gloating after a sweep of the A's, but come on, it's the A's stink right now. What an ALE series for God's sakes. Yeah. And I think all of those columns and comments were couched with if, right? There's a lot of ifs <laughs> if the Red Sox continue down this trajectory. And I still think that's the case. If you see the Red Sox collapse the next six weeks, that might happen. We'll see what happens with the Red Sox offense. And oh, by the way, wouldn't blow too much. You lost three of five of the Orioles, and you lost that first game of the two-game series against the Reds. Don Irvine at Don Irvine is up next. He writes in, the Yankees are doing great so far. So why are there still so many Aaron Boone haters in Yankee land? I'm not a Yankee fan. Just curious. I didn't really know this was a, a thing as of like this season. Yeah. I knew there were past frustrations there. Oh, uh, well, yeah. And it's social media, you know? <laughs> I think people react in every moment. And I, you know, I've told the story before. I'll tell it again. I remember uh, during the World Series in 2014, going up to Bruce Bochy, who was on his way to winning his third championship in five years. And I walked up to him and said, Bochy, I'm having a hard time keeping up. Are you just a total genius or completely bleepity bleep bleep stupid? Because <laughs> that's what you would think if you were to read the reactions on a daily basis. It, it, people in social media, I think, get just caught up in the moment way too much. I think. Uh... Aaron Judge's approval rating probably pretty high right now. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Donald. Aaron Boone, you mean? I'm yeah. Sorry. Oh, Aaron Boone. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Max Moreno at Max Moreno writes in the Dodgers recently have seemed to gain a reputation for being able to turn pitchers careers around at the risk of sounding too much like a homer or the Dodgers. Also the only equivalent for hitters. Uh, they, they've been terrific at it. You know, Max Muncy, Chris Taylor, et cetera, et cetera. They've done a terrific job of developing players uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays have obviously been one of the best teams at that. Uh, it, you know, Andrew Freeman is the common denominator in that. And it'll be interesting going forward if you also see that with the Boston Red Sox, given that Hein Bloom came from the Tampa Bay Rays. Blade Bigler is our last one for today. Buster, you and Tim were discussing the improvements on my Rangers. Do you think John Daniels can pull off another Cole Hamels type deal that propels them into World Series contention in the next few years? I need more information about the Rangers. I need to see how they progress, see how close they get, because it doesn't feel like the right time for them to make a deal like that. Alrighty, that does it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. If you listen to that Buster Tim segment and you're like, oh, wow, that would be fun to relive that again, you should go to the ESPN YouTube page and check that out because every Monday their segment is on there and it's a lot of fun. Yep, it is a lot of fun. It's always great to see Tim, although, you know, uh, uh, peek behind the curtain. We had a little issue with Tim's camera, but that's mm, yes. not a surprise. You know what, though? He was talking about his, uh, you know, I'm proud of him for getting through the airport with just a ticket on his phone. But do you think that was him overcompensating for what had happened like 45 seconds before? Well, I think that's it was a reminder uh, of what his actual baseline is. And I know this because I'm not that far ahead of him. OK, mm -hmm. but I am ahead of him. I think the rest of the world is ahead of him when it comes to technology. All right. That's it for today. My thanks to Tim, Sarah, Sarah, Taylor, Boog, Ollie, David Ross, Patrick Wisdom again. He was really fun over the weekend. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Chews provides one and done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.